Merry Christmas, C3 family. I'm so glad that you're joining us. I hope that you're ready to hear from our Lord and Savior and to receive his grace. In three, two, one. Welcome to Christ Community Church. I am the Stephen Tyler of Christmas today, Zach Smith. It's pretty awesome. We're so glad you guys have joined us today. Bethany's here with us. She has a red sweater on. We are going to sing some Christmas songs, right? No. Are we embarrassing you? Am I embarrassing you right now? Every day. <laughs> you guys sing along with us. Angels we have heard on high Sweetly singing all the plains In the mountains in reply Echoing their joyous strains Gloria in excelsis whose birth the angels sing come adore on bended knee Christ the Lord the newborn King Community Church. I'm August, and this is your call to worship. Psalms 55 says, O oh Lord, my friend has become my foe, breaking his faith, tearing down peace. He's destroyed our covenant. Oh, how his pleasant voice is smoother than butter, while his heart is enchanted by war. Oh, how his words are smoother than oil. And yet, each is a sword drawn in his hand. Cast your troubles upon the eternal. His care is unceasing. He will not allow his righteousness to be shaken. But you, O oh God, will drive them into the lowest pit. 
violent lying people won't live beyond their middle years. But I place my trust in you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, please be with Pastor Larry as he gives his lesson today and open our ears and our hearts to receive the word of God. Amen. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here unto the Son of God Come thou day spring, come and cheat our spirits by thine advent. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to fly. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. O come thou key of Good morning, good morning. 
Welcome to Christ Community Church. Uh, we are happy that you're with us today. Yes, we are. Yes, Lord bless you. We are sitting in the study of Kim and Jerry Bowden's house doing this service uh, uh, for Sunday morning. Um, long story as to why, but this is where we are. Taking it on the road. Yeah, yeah we're, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, again, welcome. Um, this Sunday or today, I want to talk to you about um, just something near and dear to my heart. Maybe this is a lesson not so much for y'all as it is for me. I just needed a good reminder of God's faithfulness, um, God, that God is someone who will never betray me, never let me down, never turn me away. Um, you know, the holidays are a funny season, if you will, in that when we think about relationships that are good and healthy and happy, um, the holidays magnify those relationships, yeah. do they not? And when we think about relationships that are painful, difficult, difficult unhealthy, the holidays magnify that pain as well, that sorrow as well. And I was just thinking this past week about how uh, of all the relationships uh, or all the relationship issues that cause us pain, there's really nothing, no issue that causes more pain than uh, betrayal. Just having that, that dynamic of trust, of loyalty, of dependability, um, and enjoying the blessings of that, and then at some point to realize that there was no loyalty, there was no devotion, there was no faithfulness. It was not a place that I could go uh, as a refuge, as a place of safety, that it was actually a dangerous place. And I don't know, I'm just thinking about all that and how um, God offers us a relationship that will never wind up uh, being expressed in betrayal. That that is not something that uh, God would ever do. And I don't know, I was just thinking about the whole idea of betrayal. Yeah, Sharon. well, it's one of the major yeah. themes in all of literature, right? Because it, it happens. Yes. And so it shows up in literature in large ways and small ways. And I was thinking as we were getting ready to, to as Larry was telling me what he was going to preach on, thinking about a literary character or characters who betrayed, there are, there are plenty yes. of yes. them, but I guess probably, mm-hmm. it's arguable, of course, um, Iago comes to mind, he betrayed Othello, and, but I think mm-hmm. the one I would stick with as maybe the worst of the worst would be Brutus, mm-hmm. of Brutus and Cassius, mm-hmm. yes. you know, so they were friends with Caesar, yes. and he really trusted them, they were, they were fellow senators, and they were the senators. And the, co- the conspirators just decided they were going to overthrow Caesar. He was too, you know, powerful. powerful. Too big for his, his britches, his britches if you will. Too big for his robe. His, yes, indeed. <laughs> indeed. And so they just they decided they were going to overthrow him. And Brutus and Cassius, but they, they went along. And in fact, the whole idea, you probably remember this from your, you know, high school Shakespeare mm-hmm. a little bit, but Brutus stabbed him in the back, and the idea of stabbing the back came from that story. Yes. And as Caesar saw who it was who delivered that blow, he looked at Brutus, and you'll remember this, he said, you too, Brutus, mm-hmm. et tu, Brute, you, mm-hmm. you're, 
These others, maybe I, I might have thought that, but not you. Yes. You know? Yes. And so that's, that echoes throughout all these generations mm -hmm. of you too. Yeah. And so um, Dante writes the Inferno, of course, and um, he's got the nine, it's all fiction, but he's got the nine circles of hell and the bottom circle of hell. The worst. The worst one, the, the worst place of them all. He places betrayers, and the three great betrayers that are mm. down there mm. are Bru Judas Iscariot and Brutus and Cassius. Mm. And in wow. Dante's Inferno, the devil is portrayed as this monster with three heads, and it's those three guys that he spends eternity eating mm. that, because that is the lowest of the lows, betraying mm -hmm. someone's trust, where yeah. someone would turn and, mm. and say, you did that. You did that to you yes. too. Yeah. I guess where I'm going tonight or this morning uh, in our study is that I talked to so many Christians who, um, if you listen to them carefully, there's this underlying. They know all the biblical facts. They know all the doctrine. They know all the theology. They have given their life to Christ, they believe in Christ, they're trusting Christ, but there's still this underlying fear that somehow they didn't check off enough boxes, mm. they didn't do the right, they didn't pray the right prayer, they didn't get yeah. dunked enough, <laughs> they didn't go to church enough, they didn't give enough money, they they there's something in the contract that they, they missed. missed. And the result is this fear that there'll be a day when Christ betrays them like Brutus uh, or Cassius yeah. or Judas betrayed. Um, and, and even the small betrayals along the yes, way. We were afraid. Uh, and what if I... Yeah, I mean, yes. It, they all reaffirm that fear that, right. that, that my, my dad left us, my uh, husband left me, um, my children have abandoned me. They're, and so life is, has just enough of these betrayals that there's this affirmation, maybe you should be afraid that Christ would do that as well. And Maybe I'm the one that is concerned about that and needed just a word of reminder, a word of truth. What does the Bible say about this? Just to get my mind back in the light where there's hope and joy and peace and, 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 and assurance. Yeah, assurance, yeah. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about today. Sounds good. Um, last week... Last Sunday, we talked about uh, gratitude and how we of all people, the children of God, should be grateful for the blessings of God. And I just want to declare to everyone listening today and starting with myself that of all the blessings that we should be grateful for, we should be grateful for God's gift of eternal life that He has provided for us and His promise that our eternal life is safe. It is secure. And that there is nothing that could ever change that or thwart that. Um, our salvation, our eternal life is absolutely safe and eternally secure.
And the Bible declares that my salvation and your salvation, if you possess that, it began with God. It continues with God and it will end with God. Our eternal life, the Bible would tell us, is totally of God. And we are as safe in our relationship with God as God is good. However good the Bible would declare that God is, that's how safe and secure we are in our relationship with Him. The Bible says that God chose us before time began, that God called us unto Himself, that God draws us. Not only did He call us, but He then drew us to Himself. The Bible says that God convicted us of our sin and our need for Him. The Bible declares that God enlightened us. And what that is referring to, that God opened our eyes so that we could see who God is and so that we could see who we are and our need for God. The Bible says that God even gave us, the, the way the Bible says it, is the gift of faith. The gift the, uh, of having the ability to believe in God. Now, some of you are sitting there, I know, going, well, it looks like you're negating or denying or minimizing our role in salvation, that we just, we have no part in this uh, process. I'm not denying that the Bible teaches us that we must come, we must call we must believe, we must repent, we must persevere, and we must endure. But even the ability to do those things, the Bible would tell us, they're grace gifts. Mm -hmm. even, even the ability, the desire to want to do those things, the ability to even know that I should do those things, and then the ability to do those things, those are all grace gifts that God gives us so that we can then participate in eternal life, a relationship with God Himself. So that we can choose that, yes. constantly yes. choose that. Exactly, exactly. I, I guess I, I, I just want to say that, um, you know, the more emphasis and the more priority that I place on my part in my salvation, I've come to believe the more emphasis, the more priority that I place on my role in salvation, the more fear, the more uh, uncertainty, the more um, worry, the more fretting, the more stress I experience. Well, we know our own weakness. We exactly. know what we can and cannot exactly. do. And at the same time, conversely, the more emphasis and priority I place on God's role, God's part in our salvation, the more peace, the more joy, the more security I can experience in my relationship with Him. Let me give you an example. The Bible absolutely declares repeatedly that it is vital that we cling to God, that we hold fast to God. Deuteronomy chapter 10, God says, you must fear and serve and cling to the Lord. Jesus says in Matthew 24, all who hold on till the end 
will be saved. Paul says in Hebrews 3, we are partakers of Christ if we hold fast to our assurance from the beginning to the end. And then Paul says twice, once in chapter 4 and once in chapter 10, let us hold fast to our confession of faith and our hope in God without wavering. Then John says in Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, remember what you have received from God and hold on to it. Well, that's wow. what we can do. Hold the, on. Yeah, those, those are all big commands, big responsibilities that God places on us to hold on to what we believe, to hold on to Him. Those are important and yet daunting I would dare say even terrifying challenges and responsibilities that God gives us. But what does it mean? What is the Bible saying there? And I want to give you two verses that, that mean something to me. In, in, uh, it, because every one of those verses that I just read about the importance of us holding on to God, us clinging to God, they were all written by Jewish men who were religiously and theologically trained in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the idea of holding on, clinging to something, it all goes back to an image in Psalm 37 where David says that we should cling to God. But in reality, that's a farming term that David chose. And in the Hebrew mind, they always would go back to this idea of a, a farmer who had an or, uh, uh, a vineyard. And they would take a weak, young uh, vine without any strength and would transplant it out of the ground and plant it beside a strong, mature vine. And he would wrap the two vines around each other. And... Is it true that the young, weak, immature vine is clinging to the strong, mature vine? Absolutely. But that's not what's important. The, the, the success and the safety and the strength of that young vine is not in its ability to cling to the old vine, the strong vine. The success of the young vine is based upon the strong vine's ability to cling to it. Yeah. And then David says it so perfectly, so clearly in Psalm 63, he says, I passionately pursue and cling to you, O Lord, for I feel your grip on my life. I want to read that again. David says, I passionately pursue and cling to you, O Lord. Why? Why do I want to cling and why can I cling? Because I feel your grip upon my life. Do we feel that? Yes, we should cling. Yes, we should hold on. Yes, we should pursue. But do we feel the reality of God's promise that while you're pursuing and clinging and holding on, I'm holding on to you. Mm -hmm. It's not your holding on to me that will ultimately lead you to eternal life in heaven. It's the fact that I'm holding on to you. You're safe in my hand and in my grip. 
Um, I think that's such a powerful image. And, you know, if you, speaking of images, you know, all the images in the Bible, Shirley, uh, that convey our relationship with God, the relationship we have with God before eternal life, before we're saved and placed into God's family, and the relationships that we have with God after we experience eternal life. Think about how the Bible describes those relationships. The Bible says that um, we uh, that we must be born again. Every every one of those. That's just as a, as an example that we must be born again. In fact, I want you to read if you oh you got it. Read Nick, uh, John chapter three, the first seven verses. Please. I will. John three, mm-hmm. one through seven. There was a man uh, of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs uh, that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, said it twice, didn't he? Yes. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do you not marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew? Again, every relationship that the Bible uses to describe the relationship that we have with God, both before we're saved and after we're saved, they all communicate that our salvation, our eternal life, our security is God's idea, it's God's work, it's God's responsibility. Just think about some examples with me. The first one being born again. We must be born anew, born spiritually. What is the baby's role in coming out of a mother's body? A baby cannot give birth to itself. A mom, a parent must birth a child. A child doesn't birth itself. The mother must do that. Uh, uh, A corpse, the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins. A corpse can do nothing. A corpse doesn't call or reach out. Uh, A corpse lays there. (laughs) Um, uh, An enemy, the Bible describes us as as the enemy of God. An alien, an orphan. Someone that is blind and deaf and dumb. Someone that is lame. Someone that is diseased with leprosy. In all of those examples, think about the command, leper, heal yourself, lame person, rise up and walk, a person that cannot speak or hear, change your health condition, an orphan, an alien, an enemy, a corpse, an unborn child. Every one of those images communicates that our salvation is dependent upon someone else's help someone else coming and rescuing us from the state that we are in. And even after salvation, all of the metaphors the Bible uses communicates that our future success as God's children, they all rely on God. They all rest with God. Being a little child, being a branch connected to a vine, being a stone in a temple, being a sheep, being a body part, 
being a clay pot that was created by God and for God's use. All of those communicate that we are totally dependent upon another for our success, for our life, for our change and transformation. I bring nothing, I add nothing, and I offer nothing to God that God did not first give to me. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, what do you have that God has not given you? Or, or sorry, and if everything you have is a gift from God, why do you boast as though it were not a gift? I came across this verse the other day, Shirley, in my devotions in Hebrews 7. Clearly, that's where I've been spending some time in Hebrews 7. And in Hebrews 7, I found this verse where Paul says that Jesus is able to save to the uttermost all those who draw near to God. Why? Why can those people experience salvation? Since Jesus lives forever to make intercession for them. Begs the question, or what, what Paul is saying there is, is that our future eternal security is dependent upon the effectiveness and the success of Jesus' prayers. That we can, we can be saved to the uttermost. Why? Since Jesus lives forever to make intercession for them. So it begs the question, wonder what kind of prayer Jesus is. Wonder how effective Jesus' prayers to the Father are. And I would suggest that my salvation and your salvation are as secure as Jesus' prayers for us are effectual and continual. If we believe that God the Father loves Jesus and listens to Jesus and answers Jesus, then if Jesus is continually praying for our success spiritually, is that not a guarantee that we will succeed spiritually? Paul says in Philippians 1, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, He will keep you firm to the end, so you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, May the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless till our Lord Jesus Christ comes. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And then the best verse to me in the Bible related to this idea of our security, our ultimate success spiritually with God is in Romans chapter 8 where Paul says, For those that God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. For those he predestined, he called and those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. Did you notice all the pronouns? He, he, he foreknew us. He predestined us. He called us. He justified us. He glorified us. So between the foreknowledge, between uh, the, uh, the predestination and the calling and the justification and the glorification, where's the crack? 
Where's the hole in the floor? Where's the booby trap? Where in this journey where God began with foreknowledge, he knew before time began that you and I would spend eternity with him. And then he predestined us for that to to, to happen. And then he um, called us and then he justified us. And then he goes, where in that process does God turn our eternal destiny over to us? Where in that journey does it rely upon me and you? I found this quote in uh, My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers, where he says, We must realize that we cannot earn or win anything from God through our own efforts. We either receive it as a gift or we do without it. The greatest spiritual blessing that we will ever receive is the moment where we grasp that we are spiritually destitute. Till we get to that point, our Lord is powerless to do anything in our lives. We must either enter into God's I'm sorry, we must enter into God's kingdom through the door of destitution. I would just end by saying that uh, the older that I get and the more I study God's Word, the more convinced I am that my salvation is of God. Period. It's God's idea. It's God's plan. It's God's desire. And it's God's work. The beginning, the end, and the journey in between. It's all God. I am solely and simply the beneficiary of God's goodness. My hope is solely in the goodness of God. Not my faith, not my theology, not my endurance, not my obedience, not my sacrifice. My hope is built solely on the goodness and the grace of God. Nothing less, nothing more. And I just wanted you to, to, if you would, oh, I've got it right here. Sorry. Would you read that song? Oh, well, yeah. it's a hymn, right? Yeah, it's a hymn. It, everybody will know it. You'll remember this. Um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. My ho- um, I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Thank you. Thank you, Shirley. Um, I have followed the Lord Jesus for 42 years, and I have sought to know Him every day, or at least the majority of those same days and those same years. And i got to be honest with you, I've never been more doubtful and more discouraged about my strength, my faithfulness, my wisdom, and my faith in God. But at the same time, I have never been more confident or optimistic that my future is bright and safe because of God and His goodness, which He has chosen to pour out upon me and He has promised will pursue me all the days of my life. I hope that you will think about what we've talked about today and that when those fears that somehow there'll be a day when uh, you'll realize that 
God betrayed you, that you did not do enough, that somehow there's a, some fine print that will keep you from your eternity with Christ. Remember that God started your journey with Him. And God has been with you through that journey and He is committed to the ultimate success of that journey. That's His responsibility and He is committed to doing that. Let's um, take some <laughs> bread and some wine or juice and uh, let's eat and drink charily just, just to declare that our hope uh, is based upon what Jesus did for us on the cross. Because Jesus died for our sins, we now have been placed in the family of God, given forgiveness for our sins, and made a part of God's family. And we eat this which represents His body, and we drink that which represents His blood, to declare that that is where our hope and our confidence has been placed. Okay? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we could gather together this morning. We thank you for your word. We believe that it's true. And we place our faith in your promise that you will finish the spiritual work that you started in our lives. And that while we long to cling to you, we beg you for the strength so that we can cling to you. Ultimately, our faith and confidence is not based upon in our ability to cling to you, but in our confidence that you are clinging to us. We bless and praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We truly are grateful for this unspeakable gift. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Bless you. Bless you. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for being with us. Amen. Amen. Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sin is reconciled Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With angelic hosts proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem Hark the herald angels sing Glory to the newborn King
Prince of Peace, hail the Son of Righteousness, light and life to all He brings, risen with healing in His wings. Mighty laces, glory by, born that man made more may die, born to raise the sons of earth. To give them second birth, hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the Thanks again for joining us this week. We're Christ Community Church. We will be back next week on YouTube Live, Facebook Live at 1015 in the morning. We'll have some new Christmas gear, I think, maybe. Maybe not. It'll probably be the same. <laughs> Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.